Hello. There he is. How you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm excited to do a show with you tonight. It's good. I've missed you this week. Yeah, we, we I we, I wish we could do it every night, but we can't. We can't. We can't busy. watch that many movies. I can. I just can't. I don't have enough to say. Well, I could watch that many movies, but, yeah. but then I wouldn't earn any kind of living and and I would turn into a withered husk because I would starve and I'd be doing the show from a cardboard box on the street. Stop making fun of my lifestyle choices. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to take a sip of the the a wee dram. Are you drinking uh are you drinking your your own supply? Mm-mm. It looks no, this is the, like... the uh, this is the Macallan. Oh, you're drinking Macallan. Drinking oh, Macallan. Do you notice serious. anything going on in this glass? Do you notice anything there? I know you have one giant ice cube. Yes, look at this. I got a thing that does uh, here. Oh, it makes this giant. It makes snowball. A, a giant sphere of ice that melts uh, much less quickly. Well, it's, it's just darn cool. I don't think the melting quickly thing is like as big a deal as how well, cool that looks. But it doesn't water your drink down as much because it it doesn't. It's not a bunch of little cubes that all start melting at once, and so it uh, it lasts a lot longer and doesn't uh, water your drink down as much. And it's cool. And you can read your future. You can read your yes. You can and the read future, your future says you're going to feel horrible tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, as I as I told uh, I, I told uh, another buddy of mine that I had an accident on Sunday night. He was like, "Oh no, what happened?" I said, "I went out to a Mexican restaurant and by accident a bunch of margaritas fell into fell my onto your face." <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. It's it's that third margarita that's always the mistake. That's always the problem. Yeah. Because that much salt is not good for your blood pressure. No, that's, it really yeah, is that's not what good the problem is. for your health. And that's yeah. really the main thing. Tripping yeah. and falling in the parking lot under your teeth isn't really as big a deal as the salt. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, how are you doing? What uh, what was your week like? Um, my week was, uh, you know, your average uh, hustle, uh, gig economy freak out, uh, you know. <laughs> your that should be the name of a new tv series maybe we should rebrand our show called and call it that average hustle gig economy gig economy freak out yeah it would be an apt name for this show we could rebrand but yeah. um yeah i've been doing a, a lot of that uh i've a lot of little odds and ends little edit jobs a lot of things that are tying up from this month that i've got to do and it's just been one of those uh it's one of those things. Everything's good. I got no complaints. I got nothing exciting to say. How about you? You have business news? What's happening in the world of booze? What's happening in the world of booze is um, whoever we paid off at the Department of Justice to hide our criminal past did a good job because we passed our background checks. Even those old FBI records from the 50s? Yeah. <laughs> those old wow. FBI records from the 50s before I was born yeah. somehow have been expunged. Well, you know, you had records before you were born. Yeah, of course I had records. Well, the family certainly did. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, we um, we heard that we've passed our background checks. Uh, our our poster comes down uh, tomorrow, I believe. And uh, we down tomorrow. 
uh, there's a poster that has to be posted for 30 days. You know, when you see those posters saying this premises is applied for a liquor license, if you have any objections, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we'll have our liquor license in about a week. Well, that's exciting. And then we, uh, we start, we're, we've, we're ordering supplies. We'll go into production in three or four weeks. We'll have our first bottles rolling off the line, maybe a little longer than that. It might take a little longer to get, you know, all the pieces delivered, yeah. But um uh but we're on our way. Brilliant. You watch anything? A, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I have a license to drink alcohol. You do, and I will be supplying I'm, it I'm halfway you. there. There you go. Um, you see anything other than what we're gonna talk about? Um uh I did re-watch for um my other podcasts, rated P for Paranormal. We watched a movie I adore called Bubba Hotep. I don't know if you've ever seen Bubba Hotep, but I got to revisit that. And it's um it's a delight. It's a trashy midnight delight. And I loved it again. Wasn't Bubba Hotep a character in Star Wars? No, maybe in the new fangled Star Wars that I stopped <laughs> paying attention to 20 years ago, but no, nah, I don't know. Um <laughs> Job of the Hut Boba Fett no, and Bubba, Bubba, Bubba Hotep. Hotep. You never heard of Bubba Hotep? You never saw Bubba I've, Hotep? I've heard of it. I'm just being stupid, which is, you know, um, they say you should play to your strengths. So I am. Okay. Well, we want to, I want to play with you. So um, <laughs> I have to be stupid now, too, is what you're saying. <laughs> um, Bubba Hotep. It's a Bruce Campbell movie where he plays Elvis in an old folks home battling a mummy. Oh, now, see, I haven't you seen know, this. That, that old it. movie. That movie you've that seen old a thousand movie. times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's him and Ozzie Davis in an old folks home. And Ozzie Davis plays John F. Kennedy or someone oh. who thinks he's John F. Kennedy. It oh, is good Lord. going to be your favorite thing. I have to see that. I'm very excited. It to was see a that. highlight uh, as as maybe was this film we're going to discuss. Yes. I mean, um, perhaps I'm not I don't, I'm going to bury the lead, but I'm going to tantalize you by saying perhaps. This was also one of the exciting things that happened this week. Yes. I did watch some other things, though. Let uh, me guess. Hold on. Shush. Huh. Um, <laughs> you watched a show called Crab Hampton. Crumb, Crumhorn. Bumbersnatch uh, Road. Something like that. Actually, it's called The Bay. The Bay. The Bay. Doesn't sound like a British cop show. And yet no. it is. Mm. Yeah. Because it takes place in Morricum or Morricam, Morricambi, so a bay. What is North. it? Can I ask what it is about the British cop shows that is just up your alley? As a, you a dyed in the wool American noir crime fan, as you are. Yes. I'm just curious what it is about the British shows, which are so different than that, that you find. Um, ah, well, see, right. there you go. There's this thing with the British shows where th there are two, um, there are two divergent strains of the British cop shows. There's, and what you might be thinking of are the, the cozy, like the ones, you know, Perth Hampton road. Yeah. That's you the know. ones I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, there is a whole other strain of British procedural cop shows, dark stuff that are doing the American police procedural that they do on Law and Order, that they do on the CSI shows, uh -huh. better than we do it. I 
I have seen actually, I'm kind of kidding you because I have seen a couple of these and I, and I know there are those two strains. Yeah. And, um, and, I, and when they're going dark and mm, procedural and really showing, yeah, yeah, it's, they're really, really good and, and incredible actors. Uh, um, we got hooked a, a while ago on a show called, uh, maybe you saw this show, Wire in the Blood. No, but I keep hearing about it. And maybe that's what I have to watch when I'm done with, with the bay. That's real good and really dark. That's some really twisted stuff. Quite good. And, and then I was watching one um, called Silent Witness, which is all about, you know, the, uh, the not morgue, the, the pathologist, you know, examining the body and solving the crime. And in those, when, when they're doing the autopsy, it's a naked body on the table being cut up and organs being, you know, it's not like in America where you see the head of the person performing the autopsy and maybe there's a little blood on the glove. You see a naked person on the table and they're pulling their lungs out and examining them. It's, it's pretty brutal. When you say naked, are they an, a naked actor or are they naked dummy? A naked actor. I might have to get into some of these British crime shows. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Wow, it sounds exciting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I watched an American uh, action film uh, called Boss Level. I've not heard of it. Sort of a video game. Uh, Frank Grillo plays a guy who wakes up every morning and is killed. Like, like people are out to kill him. And he he has to go through the day each day he can maybe get a little further before the people who are out to kill him, kill him because he's right. repeating the day and he can sort of figure out what to do, but they always end up killing him. So it's kind and of like has... Russian doll, but with a guy. Yeah. Mafia um, guy. Okay. And uh, Naomi Watts is in it. Michelle Yeoh. Oh, I'm uh, seeing it now. I'm seeing it. Ken Jeong. Well, uh, okay. maybe not because the final person starring in it is the, the, the late great Mel Gibson. Um, Oh, he's not going to stop me from seeing. He can't stop me from seeing a movie. Well, he probably could if he actually wanted to. If he wanted to show up and say, "You're not going to see that movie," he might be able to stop both he's, of us. He's he's got to be twenty years old than me, though, at this point. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so that was interesting, and it was it's a comic book. It's a comic book of a movie. That's okay. Fun. That's fine. Um, so I guess, but you know, enough uh, rambling. We should get down to the matter at hand. We do. We have something to discuss. Talk to me. <laughs> oh, what happened? I don't know. What was that? What did you do? I didn't touch. Oh, oh, you must have God. a new app or something. We have lost control of our show. Do you have a new app that you're? No, I'm not touching my computer. Here, I'm here. Watch. I'm not I'm touching not, my computer. I'm not either. You ask me, he's nuts. That's what the doctors say. Why are those clips playing? I don't understand. Ah, uh, you know weird. what it is? You know what it must be? What's going on? It must be those new people we have working on the show with us. What? They started already? They started today. Oh, wow. I had the dates mixed up. So they're actually, we have producers and help on the show right now. On the show. You've met them, though. But maybe we should introduce our audience to them. I guess so. We're kind of behind the eight ball here. Isn't that yeah. embarrassing? We actually talked about them a little bit last week because we were talking about Alexis and Sophia Rosinski, two extraordinary young filmmakers who we have gotten to know, um, and their friend Elia, 
who is also joining us. He's a tech wizard. Um, and they're going to and give a, us and a YouTube uh, presence to be. Yes. Yeah. And uh, let's bring them on and introduce them. Um, oh, we've got here we oh, go. Oh, my God. They're bringing themselves on. I didn't even have to do anything because they've they've got access to the back end. People, I don't know if you can feel the different energy in this show today already. It's running like clockwork. It is incredible how smoothly this is going. Yeah. So oh, this is for you guys. Thank you. Elias, Sophia, and Alexis joining us. They're going to be pumping up our social media presence, building the audience, running comments, throwing clips in. Why don't doing you guys research, doing research? Say hello. 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 Thank you for having us. Are you kidding me? We're so excited to have you here. We're very lucky here. Um, <laughs> maybe things will finally go right for us. Well, no I mean, pressure. So no pressure at all. But we have there's a lot riding on this. Yeah. You got to keep this moving, guys. <laughs> if we don't become household names, it's all on you. So if I or Matthew go up and freak out and like start just not knowing what to say, we should come up with some kind of a safe word. Uh, and maybe we can do that after the show. So I'll say like pizza. And if you if I say pizza, although I might say that at another time. So it's a, we come up with a better word. But if I say that word, you just start playing a clip. You come on with information news because I might I might just completely uh, blank out here. Yeah. Like Hufflepuff. I think Hufflepuff is a word you would probably never say. I might if I was describing one of the shows you watch. <laughs> oh, oh, no, I, that no, wasn't a diss. Come on. Yeah. A little tension between you two. Yes, that's yes. right. See what's going to start happening now. Oh, we've upped uh, the game. We've got we've gotten a new intensity level going on. Yes, we're going to be interrupted with relevant things that <laughs> will make us more interesting than we could possibly be on our own. Um, it's really exciting to have you here. Thank you all for all that you've done already, and all that I know that you're going to do. I'm going to. I do want. I do want to mention to Elia and maybe maybe even while we're doing the show because he's such a tech genius he'll be able to find this clip because it's something that I thought was noteworthy that the very first time we meet our hero Rutger Hauer there is a crotch grab shot in my notes that was the first uh, thing he does the in the first movie thing we see him adjust himself in the pants <laughs> What is going on? And I was very confused by that. Because <laughs> I... I'm used to seeing, you know, the the cop, you know, we introduce a character without seeing their face. We see them putting on their their boots and sliding a knife into the boot and then clipping a, a, a gun to the belt and then another, another gun to the ankle and then uh, the sword going down the back. No. When he's getting dressed, the first thing we see is him adjusting himself. Yeah, in close-up. And they cut away. Like, what is going this. on here? Well, I mean, I got, I, for me, it was an indication of the ride we were going to be on. I was like, yeah, <laughs> okay, great. Thanks okay. for letting me know early. So I guess uh, Alexis, Sophia, and Elia, we should, we should consign you back to the, the producer's den. 
where you can continue to wreak havoc upon us. Mm -hmm. And uh, we look forward to seeing what this is like with producers. I'm, I mean, I'm, this is a better time already. This is yeah. going better already. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how there, how it goes. There's still time. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is awesome. All right. Like I said, it's just it's just super super important. So that's all. I, that that's all. I you know, it's just crucial that we get it perfect. But we'll no see, pressure. We'll no, you there's no pressure about that at all. We'll see you guys after the show when we do the debrief. All right. All right. Okay. It looks like we have a comment of some kind. Somebody made a comment. I wonder what they said. Um, this is fun. Oh, someone said this is fun. That's great. All right. I agree. Awesome. I couldn't agree okay. more. So do you, do you want to give us the rundown on tonight's movie? Do I want to give you the rundown? Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, I can just, you know, give you a brief synopsis of what we're dealing with. Well, I mean, not me. I, I saw the movie, so I oh. don't need, but the people listening might need a synopsis. Um, okay. Agreed. This is a 1992 split. Actually, second. I saw the movie and I still need a synopsis. So. Apparently I, you, would you like me to do this or not? I really <laughs> just want to get. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just sit here and drink. Um, tonight we are discussing 1992's, uh, action adventure comedy, comedy, uh, <laughs> it, 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 starring Rutger Hauer, Kim Cattrall. And uh, not a bevy, but a grouping of fine English, of uh, British actors, UK <laughs> actors. Not a bevy, but an interesting grouping. Um, so I'm just going to read what they have here on uh, on the old IMDb page as a synopsis, because I'll get lost okay. in the weeds. In a flooded future London, Detective Harley Stone hunts a serial killer who murdered his partner and has haunted him ever since. He soon discovers what he is hunting might not be human there you go accurate description yeah um they don't really explain the tone or quality of this or that really it's as much of a of a kind of a buddy cop buddy cop movie as it is a lone cop movie because it's really a, a buddy picture yes you'd have to agree on that right yeah absolutely um did i do a good job you did an excellent job um, I, I want to start off talking about the, the style of this movie because uh -oh. there was something, not, not the style, but, but the, um, I guess I would say the, the energy with which everybody approached it and what the only thing I kept thinking about, I did a show here in LA. I did one episode in LA in 1996, I think, of a show called L.A. Heat, which was a syndicated cop show. Uh, you know, direct. I thought that was La Heat. I thought that was La a Heat. Yeah, La Heat, basically. And the this show was um, what it was was that there was a a, a film production company called PM Entertainment that made a bunch of direct-to-video action movies. You know, the kind of action movie that would say starring Michael Nuri on sure. the box, but Michael Nuri was actually only in three minutes of sure. it, right? Yeah. And everybody else was people you had. Michael Nuri was big in Portugal that week for some right. reason. Yeah. So, yeah. And this company, the, the executives of this company realized at some point that they had 
tons of footage of car chases and fights and buildings blowing up, right? And they thought to themselves, you know, we could write a TV series around action sequences that we already have in these direct-to-video movies. And be, and we could shoot a ep, an episode in like four days because we don't have to shoot the stunts and the action sequences. Right. Yeah. So they wrote the episodes around footage they already had. But when you're shooting it, it, it results in things like you've cast an actor who doesn't look like the actor who's driving the car. So the actor has to wear a wig through the entire, a bad wig Mm -hmm. through the entire episode. And I did an episode of this show called Cop, and the episode was called Cop Star. And I played a producer for uh, a, a news show, a news reality show in L.A., who was going to be riding around with the cops for the week, showing what it's really like. And the writing was so bad. And the actors on the show, everybody knew that the writing was so bad and that the situation was preposterous. So so it, it gave you the freedom to do absolutely whatever you wanted to do in any scene. And nobody would ever say anything to you about it or give you any direction. So there was a sequence where I was talking to um I was talking to uh one of the cops about uh what it must like you must get a lot of ladies, you know, being a cop. The ladies must just throw themselves at you. And it had me saying some sort of exclamation and the way the exclamation was written was A-E-I-A-O-U or something like that. And um, I turned to one of the actors who was playing one of the cops, one of the series regulars, and I said, how do you, how do you think that's pronounced, A-E-A-I-O-U? And he, he looked and he said, I have absolutely no idea. I said, okay, well, then I think I'm just going to pronounce it the way it's spelled. I'm just going to say that. And I did. So in in the scene, I go, and how about the ladies? A-E-A-I-O-U. <laughs> or you know, whatever the letters yeah. were. And that's in the show. And as I watched this movie, I thought, that's how they made this movie. They all know it's ridiculous. And they're just saying, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want in every take. It seems like it. For it instance, really seem- I may want to grab my crotch at a certain point. <laughs> yes, you might. <laughs> well, you've got to, you know, if you're working with somebody like Rutger, Rutger Hauer, as you well know, as we both well know, you've got to give the man room to act. you got to give him room to do what he's going to do. Well, get, and, and apparently get, you have to give him room too. He's he's got to make some room, <laughs> apparently. But um, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, he's uh, he's he's a he's something to contend with. So if he's going to do that, you're going to have to take a close up of it, and then you're going to have to justify it. He's not going <laughs> to help you with that. Completely. Well, you know, uh, uh, according to the notes here, you know, uh, the movie had only three weeks of pre-production. And I think you can see that at, at work here, you know, I mean, that which which honestly makes this movie either one of the best in its weight class or one of the one of the most pathetic, ridiculous 
movies I ever made. I had too good a time to kind of pick on it, though. Yeah, well, it it is. It knows. It knows what it is. It knows that it's horrible. Yeah. And and everybody in it knows that it's horrible, and they just go for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Which makes it, 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 it's, it's as if you got a bunch of really, ta- I mean, there's some talented people in this movie. Oh, for sure. Alan Armstrong. Who is great. Thwait. Alan Armstrong has my favorite moment as for, uh, from an act, my second favorite moment from an actor in it. And it's when he, he has the classic uh, screaming fit that every police commissioner has, you know, yeah. or p- police boss. Oh, walking down the hallway, walking screaming hallway. at everybody, losing it's his shit. Fantastic. I love Alan Armstrong. <laughs> yeah. And the things he's saying, they're, they're sort of the equivalent of A-E-A-I-O-U. A little bit. A little bit. You know, I have trouble even after seeing it. And I will, full confession, I have seen this before. I've actually seen Split Second. Really? Before. Wow. Uh, I was anxious to see it again. Uh, it had been a couple, three years. And um, it was some, one of those things I stumbled on. And, you know, why do I have to explain myself? It's Rutger Hauer. So you're going to watch it, right? Like, yes. that's kind of the end. That's the end of the conversation. Why did you tune into that movie, Tone? Because Rutger Hauer's in it. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't you watch it? Yeah. Tears in the Rain. Exactly. You know, that's all you need to say. Tears in the rain. Um. So this was my second time with it, and um. You know, I uh, I was still surprised. I was just as surprised this time. Uh, I almost don't even know how to go about analyzing this movie. Like, well, what what are we going to talk about? I think the best way, because if people haven't seen it, and there's no reason to expect anybody out there has, um. What would you say it's most like? What would you say this is like? Because this is an unusual flavor of ice cream. This is definitely not normal. This is a strange hybrid because it's it is as bad as any any straight to video like three dollar action movie uh, that you're gonna find. Like it's really truly pretty pretty bad in some ways. In some ways, it's fantastic, but the yeah. cast. You're not. You're kind of surprised that you're going to see Rutger Hauer and Kim Cattrall and Pete Postlethwaite, particularly, and Alan Armstrong in a movie that's like this. Who? Where did they? When did they say yes? Like, yeah, well, you actually asked a great question. You said, like, what flavor of ice cream is this? Yeah. And uh, it, it, it. This, this is the flavor of ice cream. It is. You and I go out to dinner. And after dinner, we're walking down the street and, and I say, hey, do you want to get some ice cream? And you say, yeah, where should we go get some ice cream? And you, you say we could go to we could go to Pinkberry. We could go to Cold Stone. We could go to Baskin Robbins. We could go to haagen And I say, no, you know where I think we should go get some ice cream? I think we should go to Mashti Malone's for ice cream. Do you know Mashti Malone's? I, I don't. Mashti Malone's is in. LA on La Brea. Do you remember the last time you, not the last time, but you were out here in LA and we went to a I bar. I used to be in show business. Don't rub it in. I've <laughs> yeah, been out there. We went to a bar with Olana on La Brea near Hollywood Boulevard. I remember. Real divey bar. Well, next to that is an ice cream place called Mashti Malone's. Um, 
which used to be like Jerry Malone's, and then it was taken over by an, an Indian, uh, a, a family from India. But they didn't have, the story is that they didn't have the money to change the entire sign. So they just changed the first name. That is great. Mashley Malone's instead of whatever. That's it is something is the story. I love that story. Um, and the ice cream there is like, you can get vanilla, you can get chocolate, and you can also get uh, black sesame lavender. Or this sounds artisanal. It is artisanal, but it's also like like rosemary, uh, rosemary coriander. Okay, garlic. Let me rosemary okay. coriander garlic ice cream. I hear you, and I think that's that's an interesting analogy. I I have a different ice cream analogy that I'll make now that I know what Mashing Malone's is, and I'm going to say we have the same conversation. And you're like, where do you want to go? And you're and I go, I don't know. Well, let me think. You go Mashy Malone's, and I'm like, not quite. <laughs> let's go to let's go to Mushy Malone's. And Mushy Malone's is where they take all the store-bought ice creams that are in the freezer in the back, like your Ben and Jerry's, your Van Lewins, whatever you got in there, some frozen snicker bars, like whatever's there, any brand, and they just smoosh it, they take it out. Let it defrost a little bit, and they put it into a giant bowl, and they're just like, psh, 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 mash right. it up, and give it to you. It's no like rhyme open, or reason. Yeah, you opened your fridge. There's uh, there's three teaspoons left in eighteen different flavors that yeah. you haven't finished, and you just do it. That's what this, that's what this one was like. Yeah, that's what the movie is like. I think, and and with somebody also saying, and you're gonna like it, and damn it, you do. Which is, you know, I mean, that's the miracle here. It's really a miracle. It's also a little bit like as if it was winter time and the roads were icy and everybody was driving really, really carefully, but there was a car accident anyway. And you were standing by the side of the road watching a, an 800 car pile up, but you knew no, the cars were going so slowly that nobody was going to get hurt. Right. Or it's so like you could just enjoy it. 18 bumper car pile up. It wasn't <laughs> really that bad, but it's like considerably piled up. Yeah. Sorry. I love okay. the relationship. You know what? Having producers is the best. I'm I'm already I'm already agreeing to sign on to another season with you based because on we, how this is going. Yeah, we didn't plan that. There was no yeah. planning of talking about car accidents and that clip coming up. That's this what, is what it, what it obviously really means is that there are people now behind the scenes doing actual things, really <laughs> doing things, actually putting effort into the show. Yes. Okay. Yes. There you go. Um. um so, um, okay. So talking points, uh, let's see, ha let's, I mean, can we, because I think this is uh, such a specific kind of movie, like, do you, do you have any other movies you think of that are, that are like this? I mean, what, what is this flavor? Is there, are there other films that do similar things here? I, I couldn't think, I kept saying to myself, I've never seen anything quite like this. I feel like um, there's a little Sam Raimi in here. Like there's a little bit of that, that kind of 
Bruce Campbell kind of comedy where it's it's violent, it's rough. They're referencing action and sci-fi and thriller stuff, but it's it's actually a comedy. Yeah. They they had to know this. They were going towards comedy in the script. I mean, it wasn't just that I think that they realized that they weren't making a good movie, so then just decided to be ridiculous. Like the comedy and, and the ridiculousness is actually kind of baked in, which is what's unusual about it to me. Except I wonder, I want, it is, but the thing that makes me, the only thing that makes me question that a little bit, uh, as as opposed to that, it feels a little bit to me like somebody was trying to, that there was one or two, there were one or two people who were trying to make a really seriously good movie. And they really didn't know what they were doing. And so there was a complete mutiny. There's a little bit of that feeling about it, too. And the only thing that makes me think that is the fact that the director kind of had a nervous breakdown and couldn't finish making the movie. Yeah, I think it's clear this looks like a like a nightmare to work on. This looked like a really rough shoot. It really did. It's raining. It's wet. Raining and wet with a small budget is a bad combo because that's when you think you're going to get electrocuted. And when you might on a set like that, there's water everywhere. It was probably very dangerous. Yeah. Um, and they actually use that in the movie. Actually, everybody yeah. gets electrocuted at one. But what I'm saying is that, I mean, I'm not, I agree with you. I think that was going on here. I think you can kind of see it going on with the actors, like yeah. deciding, like, let's just have fun because this, I don't know what this is. Yeah. But there are things in the script that that are notably ridiculous they are they are lampooning you know the the action hero kind of consciously in this yeah the fact that you know he he he's a he he eats chocolate all the time and and coffee and his home life is actually very funny cuz he lives in the most decrepit rundown apartment ever with a motorcycle in it and like, you know, and wakes up and wakes up from a nap with a pigeon on his head. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is ribaldry comedy galore here and uh, they knew it. I have a feeling they knew it also because of casting uh, Kim Cattrall, who to me is here because partly because of big trouble in little China, which was a comedic and she was known as a kind of a comedic action actress. Was that before this big trouble in Little China? Yeah. You don't have to look that up. You do not. You know why you don't have to look that up? Because I've seen it. <laughs> well, also because we have producers who are who are on the job right now. Oh well, then they can certainly up. tell me if I'm wrong. But I'm I can guarantee you, Big Trouble in Little China came out before this. Before ninety two, I think you're right. I think it did. But uh, the the answer should be coming soon. Um, and um, if, it, if it's not coming soon, they're all fired. No, this not is going really. now. It's starting to go badly. What did I say? It just had to be perfect. That's all I said. It has know? to be perfect every time. <laughs> um, so it I think out, that, uh, it came out in '86. So you are correct, sir. I'm correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. She. So I think they're kind of nodding to that. And let's let's say there are. Let's start this conversation. This part of the conversation by saying there are some wonderful actors in this movie, some well-cast uh, actors who are having a lot of fun. We mentioned Alan Armstrong, Pete Postlethwaite, not his best moment in film, but still <laughs> interesting to see him. I don't think he knew what was happening. It looked like he was confused. 
I think he got was confused as yeah. to what movie he was cast. Yeah, I in. think he had just come off doing like Troilus and Cressida and was confused <laughs> as to where he was. Yeah. Because he's and brilliant. He's fantastic. And then we have out of nowhere, out of the ether, out of time past, an actor shows up at the end of this movie that you can't really believe you're seeing that he, I didn't think he was still alive when they made this movie. Did you think Michael J. Pollard was still alive in 1992? I didn't think he was alive in 1961 when he was still working. Well, he may not known have known it, but I did. Michael J. Pollard, uh, not even his last movie. He kept working after this. Yeah. If you don't know who he is, I can't help you. You just have to go wow. experience him and look him up. Look him up. He died in 2019. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. He must have been quite old. But um, Michael J. Pollard, uh, it kind of, he almost steals the movie. Like I, when he shows up in this, he's so crazy and genuine and sly and funny. Yeah. That he kind of steals it. Wasn't he in, um, in Enter Laughing with Dad? He was. That's crazy. He and was. then in Russia with mom. Yeah. And with mom. But, oh, not, not mom. Fan of the fan, show. Kind of fan of the mom. show, mom. <laughs> Worked with Michael J. Pollard on Broadway with Pops. Yeah. Yeah. Where, they, where, where mom and dad met. Where they you, met. Where you came from. Wow. Crazy. I mean, you have to wave. Yes. Crazy <laughs> <Baby> talk. <laughs> It's crazy town. Um, so yeah, there's some wonderful actors and some funny stuff. And to me, this movie reminds me a little bit like, I mean, let's face it. There's a little like Buckaroo Banzai in here. Yes. There's a little bit of this knowing kind of creating a crazy world and just kind of completely committing to it and going for it. And the reason that I, I feel like maybe some of it was on purpose because it seems like Rutger Hauer was kind of having a good time throughout this. Oh, yeah. It's more like schmuckaroo bonsai. There you way. go. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh, my God. Um. So when did you know? Was it in the first 30 seconds when he grabs his crotch that you knew the movie? I knew we were in for a ride. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's such a close up. They really do close in on it. Yeah, in kind of a macro macro close up. You're like, that's too much of a. You yeah. could change the lens up. We you could call see that, him. That's not even so much a close up as an insert. That's like an insert. But they they're not legally allowed to use that word. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. Did you notice that in the um? the uh credits i think it's in the credits that the there's a song that is used in the movie knights in white satin but i believe they spell it in the credits k-n-i-g-h-t yes which i think was a feeble yeah. attempt at getting around the licensing they were Knight like in if, white we, satin. if we spell it wrong we won't have to pay for the song yeah knights in white satin was a song by king arthur and the moody blues yes um, exactly yeah yeah Uther Bendragon and the Moody Blues. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, what's great about that song in the movie is that they really throw you because the first time you hear the theme, it's actually, it's they have the theme like written into the score Very and they cool. play it early on and then they have the song later and it's all through the movie and you're really kind of curious 
I, I, I was curious. I don't want to speak for you, but I was very curious how that, where that song choice came from. It doesn't bear any relation to anything in the movie. Does it? It doesn't at all. Like no. I was, there's no, there is no, I mean, unless, you know, it, they thought it was Knights in White Satin with a K when he's like a knight in shining armor for her and saves her, but it's not what the song, it's not it. And he was in Lady Hawk. So, I mean, look, it's a really, it's a very romantic movie. I get it, but it still didn't, I don't know why that song choice made sense. There are things in this movie though, that images that will stay with me for a very long time. Mm. Can I, I have to ask you a question in the sequence where at the end where we finally see the monster and there's the the sort of shot from alien of the claw coming down and taking his glasses off the top of his head mm -hmm. did the image of the arcade game where you try to pick up toys with the, the claw, claw. Did the that, claw. The claw yeah the claw. Did, I, I looked at that. I was like, it's the arcade game. The claw is coming down and taking really the glasses off his and, and speaking of which, the only thing that could have made the movie better if they had just for 10 minutes just stayed on the claw trying to get his glasses off his head and dropping them over and over. Just like, Damn it. And yeah. then the monster but, putting another dollar yeah, in the machine. Just going for like 10 minutes. That would have been great. <laughs> that really would have been good i also like you know there's so many there's so many moments in this movie that i won't forget so that's one of them waking up with the pigeon on his head mm -hmm. i will never forget that um the massage sequence where he's mis giving her a massage mm -hmm. the sequence um where he's the romantic scene where he's lying on the couch with her but he still has on his gun and his walkie-talkie and his gloves yeah. and his spikes on his yeah on his jacket yeah. yeah while they're being while they're canoodling on the couch um and the the gun that shoots the um the gun that shoots the uh shotgun rounds where there's a you know a a cylinder that holds like in the paintball gun yeah <laughs> no, no, the, yeah, the big, the, but the big one, not yeah. the paintball gun, the, his little, his handgun, which is actually a paintball gun, but the big shotgun that holds like eight rounds and, and they shoot it for 15 minutes. And my, my question is, where are all those shotgun shells coming from? Because they don't have a bandolier. They don't have a box of ammunition. There's nowhere to keep all those. Oh, I, I figure I gave it, uh, you know, it's, it was a future. It was a sign. It's a it's a future based movie. I mean, I, I assumed oh. there was sci fi tech in some of those guns. It was like a little bit in the future, like Blade Runner wasn't like space opera. It was a little in the future and his gun was different a little bit. I think they were riffing on on that. Okay, and they're also very much uh, referencing, I think, in the, as much as you could reference Blade Runner with three weeks of pre-production, they're uh, referencing that's Blade what Runner. The, I mean, I, I really feel like they did that in every case. They were like, Blade Runner uh, didn't, well, it's funny because Blade Runner wasn't a hit. 
So somebody liked Blade Runner a lot. I guess by 92 or 3, it had become more of a hit. So that would make sense that they were trying to remake Blade Runner. Interestingly, now putting Rutger Hauer in the in the in the hero role. Right. You know? And you had the same rainy kind of sci-fi, rainy dystopian futuristic city dripping and moldy and rainy all the time. And that was all very Blade Runner. Him hunting for this this uh this killer through a through the new wave nightclubs of the future where people had crazy hair and and chains on their ears and all kinds of stuff. And did you in, in the nightclub sequence? Did you uh did that bring back memories of the reverse nightclub sequence where where actually it's Rutger Hauer is the one who's being hunted from Nighthawks? It was a little bit like Nighthawks, it was, yeah. Um, I have to though commend them because they actually managed to put more strippers inappropriately in this movie than in Nighthawks. And uh, <laughs> the cutting the cutting to the strippers occasionally was really th threw me. I I found that to be distracting from the action. And the um, crowds in this movie were the strangest crowds I've ever seen. Like every scene, it's like, you know what would make this scene better is if we have a huge crowd of people being held back. Was there ever really a huge crowd of anybody, though? Well, there, there were like 30 people at most in some yeah, of these shots. But I think they were trying to make it look like a big crowd of, of they barely got onlookers. There. They barely got there. Um Friend of the show, um, friend and fan of the show, Peter Stray, yeah, uh, has a favorite line, which is uh, when they, when they reconnect, when when he reconnects with the woman, who we should say is the wife of his dead partner, the woman by which you mean Kim Cattrall playing Kim the character Cattrall. Michelle Michelle McLean. Yeah. When they reconnect. For the first time, um, yes. she says, I miss him too. How about some coffee? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they're, <laughs> like, they're so over her dead husband and his dead partner. Well, they're so over it that it, it was as if it never really bothered them to begin with. It yeah. really is pretty funny and yet it's the driving force for him trying to catch this monster because the monster killed his partner but it um, didn't it didn't bother him so much that he won't at the time him. no <laughs> no he sees his partner disappear in a flashback and nearly die and he turns around and he's like bob where are you bob I'm trying to do a rooker Hauer impersonation which is really just him trying to impersonate me um <laughs> Nice, uh, you know, like things we liked. Love the blowtorch cigar lighter. Thought that was cute. Oh, yes. You know, um, uh, I liked his chocolate fixation. There were a lot of disgusting things in this movie. You mean like the heart in the refrigerator? Yeah, there was some disgusting things. I mean, I, I think it was it's a surprise when you see the first victim, who is this club goer maybe stripper dancer at the club who he finds in the bathroom having just had her heart ripped out. And you're kind of, I was kind of surprised that they were going kind of gruesome. I didn't think they were going to do that. I thought they were going to hide the, the gore a little bit like they do in a lot of American movies, right. but um, they didn't. 
And that was kind of interesting. And then uh, he proceeds to go back to the crime scene and lie on the bathroom floor in her blood. Don't move or I'll blow your head off. Yeah. Why did he like that? Just like that. Like, what? Why would he? Why would he do that? What are you going to learn about the case from lying where the dead person was thrown down onto the ground? He has a psychic connection with the with the monster, which I'd like to talk to you about. Okay, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell is that all about? How, well, how... because the the monster scratched him. That's why they have a psych. Because the monster scratched him and got some of his DNA, so they have a psychic connection. When did? But didn't didn't he scratch him after he starts to? I thought that happened after. No, that happened back when his partner was oh, killed. Okay. We never, okay. but we never see it. I don't okay. think. I thought that for some reason then we were supposed to think that it happened like at the nightclub, like in the like as the thing brushed by. No, certain, but no, because it's all scarred. It's old scars that are revealed. Oh, I couldn't old, look at it, Matthew. It was too disgusting. Um, wounds. Well, you know, one of our producers is is uh, pointing out something that is, I think, you know, very British. Um, that there's a uh, Lady Macbeth reference in the movie with Washing Kim Cattrall trying to wash the uh, the out out damn spot. Yeah, you know that's Christmas. really where you can tell this film is made by important British people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who were who were working on this film during the day and then rushing yeah. off to Rada and uh, yeah and uh, and the old globe at night Rutger Hauer uh, always eating drinking um or his face is wet or he's got something on his face it's strange he has to act with spritz and schwitz on his face or food on his face or something i don't know why um he has a whole scene where he brushes his teeth and leaves toothpaste all over his face and just plays the rest of the scene and um <laughs> There's a lot of disgusting things. A lot of like trading sloppy cigars. He trades a sloppy cigar with his co with his scene partner, and it's kind of nasty. He lies in the bathroom floor. Yeah. She eats a chocolate that he's stuck on the side of his filthy refrigerator. Right. Like they find the heart in the fridge and throw it out the window. They throw evidence. it out the window. Like oh, let's just yeah. throw this evidence out the window. Speaking of out the window, I just I want to buy stock in that guy's bulletproof vest. Yeah. Yeah. Because it not only will stop the bullets, but it will save you from a four-story fall out of window. He looks like four stories up. Yeah. Love how they always manage to hear her in the apartment when they're blocks away. And she goes, oh, help. And they hear her and run to her rescue. Yeah. Well, you know why? Psychic. Psychic connection. Psychic connection. You know, I, you I didn't, I, I guess maybe I lost a little bit of that thread. I felt like they were just scrambling and trying to explain this as best they could, but they did leave a trail of breadcrumbs. It's a psychic connection and it, it comes from the, the injuries. Okay. Now any, I understand um, the film better. Any favorite, um, any favorite lines of dialogue? Yeah, I've got a few. I mean, you can't really beat. The only thing we know for sure is that he's not a vegetarian. <laughs> i like don't think everybody's not going to hear about this stone because they are <laughs> that's a great line <laughs> and 
Stone, for Christ's sakes, it bit me. Don't worry about it. <coughs> Excuse me. She I think our producers have some good lines of dialogue. You look very pretty. You look like shit. <laughs> Her first introduction is he goes, Michelle, and she goes, no, King Kong. <laughs> Am I missing? I saw King Kong. I, I, I saw that movie. I'm trying to remember... No, can't well, figure it out. Well, you're supposed to, good movie makers, Anthony, you might not know this, good movie makers work references to, to other movies into their... Oh, movie. is that what good movie makers do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I didn't I, know that. Is that, wait, so what we say, is that how you make a good movie? Well, I think, I think these Why guys... Why didn't you freaking tell me that? These before? guys learned that, that movies make reference to other movies and they thought that what that meant was that you mentioned other movies in your movie right not that you not right. that you maybe did a shot that was evocative of right. another movie no one character turns to the other and he goes did you see alien 2 because yes. <laughs> yeah that's that's making a reference that's references to other movies yeah there are very other there are some other good lines in it i'm i'm looking at through my victims hearts and not only gains their power and their dna it also gains their souls Yes. Yeah. See, this is where the science is in the film. Yeah. They layer that's... in the, 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 the science and the, some might call it pseudoscience. I don't. Yeah. I don't There's also a that. scene where somebody cracks up, I believe. That's what I was told, but I didn't see it. I'm looking okay. for the guy called Harley. You think that's funny? What's so great about Dick Durkin? <laughs> so he's legitimately cracking yeah. up. It does it, look it, like it. And and this this shot goes on when he finally walks away, and the the look on Rucker Howard's face, it's like, are we gonna, are are you gonna cut? Are we? Yeah. Gonna use that? <laughs> like, no, we're gonna do it. Okay, I'll go okay, over with it. Keep, we're gonna keep that one. He's like, is this what they call comedy? <laughs> okay, I'm game. Um. You know, I mean, right away we get a line like early on where he's matched up with his new partner and the new partner is like, so, you know, uh, they say he's the best. And the commissioner goes, he is the best. It's just the classic line that you have to have in every single one of these movies. They're, they're always the best, Matthew. And that's what I miss about the time where we were young men is that it, everybody in a movie was the best at what they did. He's the best <laughs> yeah. cop. He's the best gunfighter. Well, what would you do for a double feature with this movie? Um, well, that's an interesting, that's a very interesting question. And I have, uh, I have a couple of answers. I, I think that the movie that it most reminds me of is a movie called Kamikaze 89. I don't know if you ever saw that. No. It's a, um, a Fassbender movie. Well, it's that he didn't direct it. But uh, Rainer Werner Fassbender stars in a crazy dystopian sci-fi comedy action thriller from Germany made in the 80s called Kamikaze 89, which is uh, a movie I really love. It's kind of a weird art movie version of this, but there's a lot of the same DNA and he plays a similar cop who's always who's kind of like disgusting and he's supposed to be super cool, but he's really not because he's, not he's He's really just kind of slovenly and he eats all the time and he, he thinks he's amazing and he wears leopard skin 
uh, articles of clothing. It's a great one. I would see it with Kamikaze 89 or uh, the movie that this apparently inspired, which is interesting, uh, Seven. Uh, apparently this movie was, um, the look of it uh, was kind of inspiring to uh, Fincher before he made Seven. And I can see why. I think this is actually pretty pretty cool looking movie for, for the budget i think they actually did a nice job with the lighting and the camera work for the most part it looks pretty great and the glowing kind of like janish it looks like um janish kaminsky on a budget everything's got this really kind of interesting hazy glow about it and uh it looks really really uh wet the only thing that they could have improved there is sometimes Rutger Hauer's face is wet and then in the next shot, it's not wet. And then it's wet again. And then it's not wet. I think they should just have had his face wet the whole time. Well, your your pairing is, uh, as usual, so much more sophisticated and and uh, intelligent than mine. Did you say what, Care Bears? What did you say? Care Bears, you got it. <laughs> no, initially I said, and then I crossed this out, I said the nice guys. Oh, okay. But then I crossed that out and I decided to go for lady hawk because that's the other side of rutger hauer where okay. uh still a kind of a buddy movie him and him and Matthew him and, oh okay right yeah but 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 rutger hauer in in the stuff that he was really at home doing you just like open the leonard malton book and pick a rutger hauer movie that he was in no, I I'm like... not seeing Lady Hawk. I'm not seeing it other than that Rutger Hauer's in it. Well, but that it, it it's it's the other side of Rutger Hauer that oh, okay. you know where where he's you know here's him in a movie that is sort of low budget and crazy and and not good in a way, and then right. and then Lady Hawk, which is a uh, which I think is a classy a fairly classy film to which he's used to his best effect. Right. Um, I like it. I like it. I'm a Rutger Hauer fan. Who, who wouldn't be of, of our generation? Rutger Hauer was one of the coolest bad guy, cool guy actors to come out of Europe ever for us. He yeah. Was huge for us when he came out and cool and, um, in real life too. Cause really you remember, cool. You remember the thing about the truck, his truck, do I remember the thing about the truck? It was only like the most informative, galvanizing thing I'd, that had ever happened to me. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Rookerhauer had a custom, like the the coolest tractor trailer diesel truck ever, with a huge custom built luxury motorhome tractor trailer thing. Yeah, his motorhome was a was an eighteen wheeler with a ginormous back to it that he customized. It, with the whole thing was chromed out, everything was custom on this thing. It was huge, and he drove it himself. He drove it himself all around Europe when he was yeah. making a movie, and that's where he would live. He wouldn't live in the hotel. He'd live in this traveling house that was nicer and better than any new york apartment it was stunning yeah. yeah he tied his motorcycles to the back of it yeah that's he, how cool a dude this guy and was in real life. leather pants in real life so there you go and could get away with it yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't. Really nice guy. Probably, you know, uh, one of the more intimidating human beings I, I'd, I've ever met. He but not in real life. He wasn't. He seemed like a nice guy. Like he seemed pretty gentle. But yeah. man, if he if he you want him to be your friend, let's put it that way. Yeah. Holy smoke. Was he a big dude? How would you watch this movie? How would you recommend people watch this movie? Um, I would watch it. Uh, I would watch it in a film class. I would watch it with a professor. I would want to hear every I would watch it with a, an analysis like running throughout of somebody, oh, who, okay. you know, like I would watch it with somebody like you or I. If we were more like maybe the new producers on our show who actually did research, who it, it was yeah. right. Okay. Um, I would recommend watching this while you're eating a big pile of leftover pizza, Chinese food and enchiladas so okay. that your stomach gets as confused as your brain. That's good. That's very good. <laughs> you could also watch it at the same time that you were watching Venom. You could like overlay the two of them because <laughs> uh, as was, as was mentioned, uh, I don't know if it was mentioned on the show, but it was mentioned by mm -hmm. one of our new producers uh, that uh, this does feel like a Venom like origin story in a way. Yeah, definitely. Because they did go for a, uh, you know, this uh, it's Venom. Like it looks yeah. exactly like Venom. Yeah. And uh, who am I and who are you? I chose to <laughs> cast on me. No, no, no. I cast us together. Um, I believe that the uh, this is what I think anyway. I think we are the two medics that are putting um, putting the, uh, the one of the new dead uh, victims into the ambulance. And uh, you say um, his chest was ripped open. And I say he must have used the hatchet. <laughs> We're better than that. It's in England, though. We don't have a reputation there. That's true. We don't have a reputation there. I gave us much more credit than that. Really? Yeah. What did you give us? I was. I made myself his partner. What? You're Alistair Duncan. Okay. And uh, you're Michael J. Pollard. Uh-oh. A little tension between you two, huh? Oh, shut up. Little tension between us now. Yeah. Oh, so I you gave yourself you the handsome leading role part. No, no, no. And I get to be the strange, weird guy that lives in a tunnel that may be homeless in real life. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. I meant that I thought you would have a load of fun with that part. I thought you would go crazy, nutsy mm -hmm. Fagan with that role. Sure. Yeah, of course. Oh, my. Okay. Of course. Let's move on quickly before you hate me. What I'd like more. to move on to is just to say that is this, this is where I really think they make some mistakes. This is where you go, do they really know what they're doing? Shower scene. You've got Kim Cattrall who uh -huh. has apparently agreed to do nudity in your film. I don't know why she did agree to do this, but she did. Yeah. And then they're like, we're going to have a shower scene. And then they just decide not to. And they realize, oh, they just wanted to show her in the shower. There's no, there is literally no plot revolving even around her getting attacked in the show. You think maybe she's going to get attacked. No, I've never really seen a more gratuitous uh, shower scene with a more well-known actor in it really ever. Yeah. 
pretty did you notice her uh her hair the thing with her i did apparently she'd just come off of star trek yeah star trek. yeah, yeah. she had to yeah so that was fun people make a big deal of that hair in this movie i i figured she was just kind of like london mod like post-punk post-punk girl yeah I it. yeah how would you recast it well i only did the first i only did the two leads uh the two guys okay i did a few more um, but my but my uh, choices were I, I mean I think Tom Hardy is is the way to go for for the Rutger Hauer role, oh, and um okay. and, and with a with a nod to Venom in the same way that Rutger Hauer is a nod to Blade Runner in this it would be kind of an interesting double blind nod. That's and then I'm going to go for Camille Nanjiani as the as Alistair Duncan. I don't know who that is because I'm an idiot uh you you got well i'm you said it i didn't um you know in the future just because it's a live show you might just go great I, that's that'd be great because i won't question you i'll never go like do you know who that is no i won't so you you don't have to say that you don't know uh that's okay i'm gonna take that advice i'm gonna <laughs> nod knowingly in the future like, when i don't know what you're talking very about good. oh yes oh uh, yes camille Najogani. yes uh you probably do know him you just maybe not uh, picturing his name did you ever see a movie called the big sick no uh well he's also been on a lot of other things and he's a he's a pretty big star okay and, um, and very and very good i had benicio del toro interesting and he's Jason the second time it's the second time you've cast benicio oh it is yeah just so you know All you right. guys have a thing together you got a thing going on with him or a something? little bit yeah are you his agent now what's happening so, someone's asking for more clips somebody wants to see more clips but first before more clips jason siegel as the partner good okay benicio good. del Toro, jason siegel Kristen Wig as the lady she's great i love that idea steven root is the captain okay love it and adam driver as michael j pollard <laughs> who's adam driver adam driver kidding uh, no i know who adam driver is <laughs> <Sorry>. adam... <laughs> i had a moment of panic this is not I'd... funny i'm not laughing uh <laughs> and this is why we have producers i am so excited this is going great this um is... yeah i don't know do you have anything else i mean i don't or, have anything or, else. i don't what you know what is interesting about this movie though it must be said is it, it's a global warming uh movie from 1992 yeah I, I, that's an early reference to global warming really like really early and if people had just paid attention Right. If they had paid more attention to this movie, we wouldn't be in this mess that we're in now. No, and we'd have we'd have people adjusting their trousers in the beginnings of films all the time because that would be the reference. I'm going to do that in, mo in my movies now, and then be like, why did you do that? I'm like, it's a reference because I reference. make good movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I, you know what we haven't done? We have not figured out what we're doing next month or what? next show oh no it's just gonna well, you know what we have producers now we'll talk to them after the show they'll yell at us for not being prepared 
and they'll make sure that uh, that we stay on top of this thing. We have to get better at that. We do have to get better. I mean, we could just come up with a movie now, I suppose. Do we have any in the back, like that are sitting around? In, in, <laughs> any, in our head? any old musty ideas sitting around? Any for requests? Um, we had talked about doing a time loop movies um so what do you think of uh is it time after time um with malcolm mcdowell and the, david uh, warner time and again i believe is time it, and again or is it time after time let me look that up malcolm mcdowell david warner oh actually mary steenburgen i don't have to look that up now that's actually fantastic because we have I think I think somebody else might be able to look that up. Look up. I want to see how this works. See how it works. Mary Steenbergen, Sturgeon. Mary <laughs> Mary Sturgeonbergen. Maury Steen. <laughs> Maury Steen Sturgeon. Time after t- 1979's Time After Time. I think that's what we should do. Okay. That's a that's a fun movie. It's not that's not a time loop movie, is it? No. It's a time travel movie. Time travel movie. There's no looping. There's no loop. But we so so we do we, we want to do a run of time travel films this coming. Let's do up. a run of time travel movies. I love it. That sounds great. We start with time, time after, after time, time from 1979, Malcolm McDowell, Mary Steenburgen, and David Warner. Love it. All right. So um tune in for a show that's going to be so much better now because we have real producers. You can feel the energy and the excitement. The excitement in the air. And we will see you next week. I'm bleeding. Face plant. Mic drop. Good night. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know. 